If you'll turn with me to Mark chapter 4, and, I've, and, I, and I have purposefully painted myself into a corner that I gotta, I've got to preach quick. I did that on purpose. Uh, and so, so you, if you all will bear with me as we go quickly through Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 35. And uh, I'm going to start reading now. And the same day, when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over into the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he was, in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? Why is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly, and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? And then verse 1 of chapter 5, And they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this day and all you've given us. I thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for us. Thank you for loving us. We're unlovable. Lord, I, I just ask that you please work through your word. Have me say exactly what you want me to say. Nothing more, nothing less. Lord, if anyone here is not their trust and faith in you as Savior, I ask today they would. And that, Lord, for every single one of us that are here, that today we be drawn a little bit closer to you. I ask all these things in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Okay. Uh, this is a familiar passage. A lot of you have maybe heard this passage preached before. You've seen paintings of it. You've had people sing songs about it. The winds and the waves obey the will. Peace be still, peace be still. All kinds of songs that, that, are, that are about this uh, particular passage. Um, there's a few things in it, though, that I, that I wanted to kind of draw out and point out that, that sometimes I think, at least when I read it before, I used to overlook quite a bit. Um, but it says here, In the same day, when even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. Now you have to look back in the chapter. We're not going to do it right now. But if you look back in chapter 4, uh, you'll see, uh, and, and you go back further than that even, uh, you'll see that he is preaching to a large multitude of people. You'll see that he, he's just got done uh, teaching some parables and teaching a lot of different doctrines. Um, but uh, the main thing I want us to notice is that he is speaking to a multitude of people. When we read about multitudes in Scripture, uh, Normally, it's people numbering the thousands. There are thousands of people that are here that Jesus is preaching to. And it says here um, that he looks and he says, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he was, in the ship. Now, the reason why that strikes me as interesting is because I was born and raised in Hampton Roads, Virginia. Virginia Beach, Yorktown, that, that area, Norfolk, that, that area of Virginia. Uh, a lot of military are there. Something like 2.5 mil, 2. million or something people, I think, in the Hampton Roads area. Uh, you want to see a multitude of people try to get into Virginia Beach at like 3 in the afternoon. You know, you can't move on the roads. You, you want to go 5 Miles away, we'll just plan on it taking you 20 or 30 minutes. You're going to be on the road for a while just waiting on traffic because of the, the huge number of people. You show up at a mall or a, a shopping center somewhere, and there are times of the year where you're shoulder to shoulder with people. You can hardly walk in certain parts of town without, without b- brushing up against them. I think about places like New York City. 
I got to go there a few times and certain times, parts of town and certain times of the year, you can hardly walk on the street for all the people pushing each other and, and trying to get through multitudes of people. That's what I imagine when I hear multitude, thousands of people in one place. Um, Jesus never passed up an opportunity to preach to a multitude. When there were people that were there to hear him preach, he did preach to them. He did perform miracles. He did feed them. We see him feeding multitudes multiple times. However, there are times where after ministering to the multitude for a while, he gets away. He goes and separates himself from the multitude. Sometimes it was to work with his disciples, to spend time one-on-one with his disciples. Sometimes it was just to get some rest. Um, But oftentimes it was to go and reach someone who was unreached. Uh, We think about the the woman at the well, must needs go through Samaria, a place where most of the people that would have come to hear him preach would not have touched, would not have been. And he goes for one lady at a well and winds up being a whole community that comes to know the Lord because he invested his time in one lady. Uh, I think about the parable of the lost sheep, leaving the 90 and 9 for one sheep. Uh, I think about, uh, we, and this isn't the Lord himself, but think about Philip being led of the Lord to the, the desert and uh, left a revival where, where there was a multitude of people and left that place for one Ethiopian eunuch to go and reach that one Ethiopian eunuch. There's a lot of comfort in a multitude. There's a lot of convenience in a multitude. Uh, there's a lot of busyness in the multitude. Uh, I, I, I've oftentimes wondered why it is that the Lord would call me, not that I'm special and I could reach the multitude better than anyone else, don't misunderstand, but why the Lord would call me away from a multitude of millions of people to go to a small town of just less than a thousand people. There's, you know, I, you have certain areas in, even in Charlotte, North Carolina, you can have 100, 500, 600 churches in there, and you probably still wouldn't reach all the people in the middle of Charlotte, North Carolina. You, you'd still have trouble reaching all those places. Uh, I, I don't want to diminish the need of the multitude or need in big cities. There is a need. My younger brother's working in Lawrence, Massachusetts, a big city right outside of Boston. And he's planting a church there, a bilingual church. Uh, this Sunday, he, he called me about it. He said this Sunday, he's nervous because uh, it's a Sunday morning service. He normally doesn't do this on Sunday morning, but his translator's gone. And so he's preaching bilingually. He's going to preach in English and then preach in Spanish. English, Spanish, English, Spanish. I, I can't begin to wrap my mind around how he's going to do it, but he's going to. Um, you know, praise the Lord, he's doing that. And there's a need that's there. But there are times where we're called not to the big crowd, not to the multitude, but to the individual. When we read this passage and we read everything that happens in this passage, there's something we need to understand. The Lord Jesus Christ was God in flesh. 100% God, 100% man. There's no way to explain it. I can't explain it. I'm not going to try to explain it. I'm not going to try to give you an illustration of how that works. They call it the, the hypostatic union of Christ. 100% man, 100% God. Um, Being 100% man, he dealt with all the same things you and I deal with. 
same temptations that you and I deal with. He dealt with the same pain that you and I deal with, some of the same struggles. He got tired like you and I do. But at the same time, somehow, as 100% God, he still maintained the attributes of God as well. Now, at moments, he limited himself purposely. He chose to limit his abilities himself at times. But at any moment, he could take up that ability and use it. But we can see in Scripture that he, even in this passage, that he is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. He had all powerful and all authority over all creation. Why? Well, because the Bible tells us that he was there at the beginning. John 1.1 1, 1 tells us the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. And then later on we say the same was the beginning with God, uh, and the, the word became uh, flesh and dwelt among men. The fact is that Jesus Christ was there from the beginning. He was creator God, is creator God. And then we see the uh, omnipresence of Christ. Now, this is one that's a little hard. Uh, omnipresence, I think that's one of those things that he, he purposely limited himself. He had a human body. It was in one place. However, we must understand, Jesus was still one with the Father and one with the Holy Spirit. And the fact is that the Father and the Holy Spirit are still omnipresent. And so in some aspect, in some way, I believe we could say he still maintained some of that some of those attributes even then. We go on further and it says, the omniscience of God, the all-knowing power of God. That's the one I really want to hone in on. Jesus Christ is all-knowing. At this moment, when Jesus looks across the other side, he knew what was on the other side. When he looked across the other side, he knew the weather that was going to happen. He knew that there would be a great storm. When he looked on the other side, he knew his disciples and he knew that they lacked faith and that they would be afraid. He knew that, humanly speaking, he was risking the lives of his disciples. Humanly speaking. Jesus was all-knowing. Yet he chose to go across the other side. It says here, And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he was, in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. Now, I'm not going to preach a whole message on it because I don't have time. We could preach a whole message about Jesus being in the ship. Okay? They took Jesus along. They didn't just, like, run across the sea and just do their own thing. They were following the Lord's direction, and they made sure he was with them when they did it. And so there's a whole passage message you could preach on him being in the ship. But we were doing it says, And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. There is a belief system in this world, in churches all across America, and in Canada as well, and really all around the world, churches all around the world, that if you put your trust in Christ, if you ask Jesus to save you, everything will be easy. I don't know where they get that idea. It's not from Scripture. Now, now we can have, as Christians, by the way, the Bible says that we can have as Christians. It doesn't say we automatically have. We, we have to go to the Lord for this. But we can have the peace that passes all understanding. We can have joy unspeakable. We can have hope for eternity as well as hope for tomorrow. And we can have the strength of Christ in us, in our weakness. But the Bible does not say our life will be easy. In fact, we, we don't have time to read it. But if you went, it, 
Don't go there now, but if you went to Acts chapter 9, you read the story about Paul when he came to know the Lord. And the Lord uh, shows himself as a, a bright light in the sky. Paul falls down. He's been persecuting the church. He's been going around, dragging Christians off, killing Christians or trying to kill Christians. And the Lord saves him. And he says, Paul, Paul, why persecutest thou me? And Paul looks at him and says, what would, who art thou, Lord? He says, I am Christ whom thou persecutest. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And you read about the whole, the whole story there. And Paul says, what would you have me to do? He says, go in the city and I'll be told thee what to do. And in the city, he sits and he prays. He's blind. He's blinded by that light. And he sits and he prays for three days. He does not eat. He does not drink. He prays. And the Lord comes to a man named Ananias and says, Paul has seen a vision that you're coming. I need you to go to him because he prays. And Ananias, again, this is a paraphrase, says, Oh, Lord, don't you know who this is? This is Paul. He's been persecuting the church. He's killing Christians. And you want me to go to this man? And the Lord says, Listen, he's a chosen vessel for me, and I will show him what great things he must suffer for my name's sake. I, that's significant to me. That, that statement, what great things he must suffer for my name's sake. You know what that means to me? I read that, it says that Jesus Christ, the moment that, that Paul was saved, the moment he put his trust and faith in Christ, it was part of God's will that Paul was going to suffer some things. Now, that doesn't mean that God calls Paul suffering. That doesn't mean that God is the one that, 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 that caused every bad thing that happened to Paul, but he allowed Paul to go through some things. It was part of God's plan for his life that he was going to be put in those circumstances where he was going to suffer. What did he suffer? Well, he was shipwrecked. He was stoned nearly to death, stoned and left for dead. He was beaten multiple times, imprisoned multiple times. He had a thorn in the flesh. We don't know what it is. Different people have different ideas what it might have been this thorn that was in this flesh. But he asked God three times, Lord, take this away from me. No. Lord, take this away from me. No. Lord, take this away from me. No. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. The Lord used Paul's weakness and the struggles and the difficulties he went through for his glory. And as we read here, we see the disciples are put on the ship. The Lord knows he's taking them to a storm. He knows the difficulties they're going to go through. And yet he still chooses to do it. And it says, and there arose a great storm and the wind was waves beating the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Now listen, uh, uh, it is true that the disciples lacked faith, that they were afraid. But we give the disciples a really hard time about this, don't we? Well, they went over there and they just listened and kept on rowing. Let Jesus sleep. No, I personally believe they did the right thing. You see, here's what happens a lot of times in ministry uh, and other places too, and in the Christian walk. Somebody trusts Christ as a Savior. They start living for the Lord. They start trying to obey him and, and, and do his will in their life. And they come up against some difficult circumstances. They come up against... A, a, let's say a closed door. Now, I'm not a guy that says, hey, you should beat down every door that you know, the Lord closes in front of you. I'm not a guy that says, the door, the door closes, find a window. I'm not one of those guys. But I will say this, just because you pushed on a door a little bit and it didn't open right away, doesn't mean it's still not God's will. 
Uh, if you're going to somebody's house and like tried to open the door and didn't open, oh, I guess I'm not going in there. You turn around and walk. No, you, you knock on the door. You wait a minute. Well, maybe they didn't hear me. You knock again. I don't know. Ring the doorbell. I don't know. You kind of peek around a little bit. We, don't, we, do that with, we do that in normal life. We call somebody and they don't pick up the first time. You text them. Wait a little bit. You call them again. Then you start to get worried. So you send them a different kind of message. Because like, hey, why, why, why isn't it? Are they okay? You send them a Facebook message or whatever it is. You say, why don't we do that with God's will? You see, the disciples came up against a difficulty they could not overcome. They could not get past this. And a lot of Christians would have just given up, turned around, and take the boat right back to the other shore. A lot of Christians would have said, well, this isn't going to happen today. The storm's coming up. I see a storm. We better go back to shore and turn around. We'll tell Jesus, we'll wake Jesus up at the shore and let him know what happened. No, instead of doing that, they did the right thing. They ran to the Lord and they sought his guidance. Carest thou not that we perish? Whenever you come against a difficulty, whenever you come up against some, something that you cannot, you're not strong enough to handle, and, and you will. You will. Don't just turn your back on God. Don't just walk away. Don't just give up. Don't just say, well, this is hard, so it must not be God's will. No, turn to him. Look to him for that peace. The, the, the lady sang about it earlier, actually. And I, we can go to him with our, with our burdens. They go to the Lord, and there's so much I want to say. Listen, when I we went to the north, I knew it was cold, okay? 40 below, 70 below, that type stuff. I knew that when I went up north, okay? That's nothing. I signed up for that, and I love it. It's great. Uh, I didn't know it was going to get so hot as it does. It, it, hit, it hit 90 degrees the other day. That's the record for up there. So it gets hot too, okay? Not very long, but it gets hot. Um, I knew that we have bears that walk into town at regular basis. I knew that. I knew that my neighbors often would, many of my neighbors had addiction issues, and I would have to deal with some of the, some of the consequences of that myself being close to these people. I knew that that was the case. I knew that I was going to a ministry, things were going to be a little bit slow and might take some time. I didn't know, like you guys didn't know that COVID was coming, was going to flip our ministry on its head. But it did. And at that point, I could have said, well, this is just pointless. I'm sitting here just doing online services and I'm talking on the phone. And listen, if we'd have walked away then, there's some fruit that would have already, wouldn't be there. We could have walked away here early. We could have said, you know what? Not, not much is happening. We should just go on home. Home to the south. It's cold up here. We're just sitting around in the cold, not doing anything. We go. No, we waited on the Lord and kept going. Not because we're great. or something, Because we recognize we're weak and we can't do anything. So what else are we going to do? Well, turn to the Lord. He knows. We didn't realize that my wife, and you guys talked about, the letters and things. My wife was going to go into early labor and had to be flown out in a plane and flown down to Inuvik, two hours south, where they said, we can't help her here either. And so they sent her another four days drive south by plane down into Edmonton. And I had to take my whole family down there and the baby changed its mind, her, her mind. And she decided not to come as quickly as she thought she would. So we sat in Edmonton in a hotel room for about a month waiting on a baby because we couldn't go back, because it was too dangerous to fly back. 
Now, that's not what's so bad. We didn't know that was going to happen. That was, a, that was a pain. What I didn't tell people in the letters is that much of Canada has a racism issue against indigenous people. And if you, I don't know if you can tell, it's a black and white picture. And I have, by the way, I have some prayer cards here I give you guys. If, if you guys would like them, let me know. Um, uh, I don't know if you can tell in that picture or if you remember, my wife is a Filipina lady. Her, her mom is, is Filipina. And because of that, she looks just like the people there. And so what happened is she got down to the hospital and they saw her chart that she was from Tuk to Tuk. And they saw that she looked like she was an indigenous lady. And the nurses were horrible to my wife. They mistreated her in a lot of ways. And I was bothered by it. She was telling me over the phone because I couldn't be there. It took me two weeks to get there with all the things we had to do. Hoops had to jump through. And I said, well, I mean, maybe it's just, you know, they say Canadian health care is rough, whatever, you know. And, and, but I thought, wow, why would they be mean to her? And they didn't, you know, they didn't tell her why. But maybe they're just busy. They're tired. Like everybody else, it's Christmas time, you know. They'd rather be home. Well, then somebody opened up one of her charts and said, you're from the U.S.? Yeah. Are, are you indigenous? No, my mom's Filipina. Oh. And all of a sudden, people started being nice to her. Wow. That caught us off guard. My wife went through that, and then we were supposed to be in the Ronald McDonald House in Edmonton. And as we were preparing to go to Ronald McDonald House, right before we were supposed to be there, the day before, they call me and say, hey, sorry, COVID restrictions were overfilled. You can't be here. I'm sorry. You can't come in. Um, but we have a gift card we can give you for gas if you want to come by and pick it up. So I'll take what I can get. Okay. Got our hotel room, and I picked up my wife. And then because she was on semi-bed rest, I walked in and got the card. And I walked in. They looked me up and down and said, hold on a second. You live in Tuck? Yeah. What? Yeah, I pastor a church up there. But you're not from there. No, no, I'm from the U.S., and, and my wife's from the U.S., and we just, you know, we, we're just serving the Lord there right now. Oh, the next morning, I got a call. We have room. You can come on in. I'm telling you, it's a real thing up there. And we saw that. We saw a little bit of what our people go through. These are things we didn't plan on having to deal with. We just got a little taste of it. Can I tell you, it's hard. Those are times like that. You're like, well, I don't want to be here. I don't want to deal with this. This is horrible. You want to give up your testimony. You want to get hateful and mean. But as we read on, it says, he goes, they go to the Lord and it says, and he arose and rebuked the wind and sea and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Here's what I'm going to tell you about that whole experience. Our people, we didn't tell everybody about it. We told a couple people about it, just a couple. And they found out that that happened. And can I tell you, they came around and loved my wife, the people that are there that we're working with. They got closer to her. They saw that, wow, she's going through the same stuff that we go through. I'm not going through it. My wife is. And they became her friend. And they got close to her. And they began to confide in her and trust her. The Lord was able to use it. Now, here's the thing. Whenever we go through storms, if we just turn around and run, we never get to see the Lord work in our life. We never get to see the Lord bring that peace that passes understanding to our life because we ran from the problems. 
we ran from his will. We're not going to have peace. But whenever we stay in his will and we ask him, Lord, what can I do? Help me. Help me get through this situation. Just like the disciples, they said, what manner of man is this? Even the wind of the sea obey him. Listen, the disciples got to see the power of God in their own life. And I don't have time to go into it, but I'm, going to, I'm just going to say this right now because I'm at the very end. The person on the other side of the, of the, in, the, in the Gadarenes, that's where we read about the maniac of Gadara, a man that had been possessed. No one could help him. He was trying to, to, to quieten the voices in his, in his mind. They couldn't chain him up. They couldn't do anything to stop the things. There was no counseling or anything that could help this guy. He had resorted to cutting himself and hurting himself, trying to quiet the voices in his head, and he could not find peace. But the Bible tells us that he was in the mountains and in the tombs, cutting himself at night, screaming. From the mountains and tombs, he would have had a good view of that sea. And he would have seen the storm coming. He would have seen the ships that were going to be sunk. And he would have seen a man come out to the front and say something. And he'd seen the peace that came over that whole sea. And it says in the Bible that at the moment that Christ stepped off the boat, this man came down out of the mountains, came out of the tombs, and dropped and worshipped at Jesus' feet. And the Lord was able to bring peace to his life. We're not going to go through the whole story. You see, you... When you trust the Lord, you do his will, you turn to him in times of need instead of running away. Go through those difficulties with him. You can see his power in your life. But there are other people around you that don't know the Lord. And they see the difficulties and they see the struggles and they can see that peace that's in your life that they don't have when they go through the same things. And the Lord can use that to direct people to his son. I don't know why the Lord, why good people suffer. I don't know why bad things happen to good people. I don't know why the Lord allows that. I don't know why you're going through difficulties. I'm not going to pretend like I know why. I'm not going to pretend like I know what God's will is in it. But I can tell you that you can, in those circumstances, experience the power of God in your life. And you can point others to Christ in that, those circumstances. And the Lord can be glorified through whatever circumstances they are. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this day and everything you've given us. I thank you for sending your son down on the cross for us. Love us. We're lovable. Lord, I thank you that we can trust you. Lord, I ask if anyone here is not put their trust and faith in you, that they would, so they can understand that peace. But Lord, also that every single person here would trust you in their daily life, that we would all be good witnesses for you and be able to point people to you. Uh, Lord, uh, keep us in your will. Work in our lives tonight. Uh, as always, in Jesus' name, amen.